episode zero season. It's lockdown season. It's pandemic season. But most importantly, it's draft season. I'm with Lee Murray, the OGs of the Back Judge, getting together and just talking a little draft. Talking a little draft. Uh, two days ago, was it? We we decided to go with a little bit of a prospect comparison. Yep. Uh, and we've um, we've taken three players from this year's edge class. Both of us watched them. Both of us have our opinions. I, I don't think either of us would deny that Chase Young is is the number one player in this class. So we yeah. we went a little below him. So the kind of the next three somewhat consensus players, uh, at least among the, the general draft media and just what you see in mock drafts going on, would be uh, A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Um, and then you have Yeter Gross Matos. Eater. Eter, 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 yeah, Eter coming in from uh, coming in from Penn State, and then you have Kalevon Chasson, Chasson, Chasson. I've been saying, Chasson, I could be completely Chasson. Wrong. Yeah. Chasson. Yeah. Uh, so, so three guys getting a, a lot of uh, buzz as potential first round picks, but another guy, kind of like Epinesa, we just kind of want to look at because he's somebody who was initially consensus top fifteen mm-hmm. when you looked at mocks maybe before the college season or even in January. And has since fallen off a little bit. So, Lee, just to get it kicked off here, what uh, was your ending ranking of these three players? Um, straight up ranking, I would say it was Epineza, Gross Matos, and Jason would be third. Um, but I, the way I did it was I just took notes and made a draft projection of where I kind of see them landing if I were the GM of every team. Um, and for Chasson, I did fringe first round to mid-second. Epineza, I did 10 to 25. And Gross Manos, I did top 10 to fringe one. Like, I could see him falling to the end of the first round, and I also could see a Cleveland Farrell-type situation where a team just falls in love with him and, uh, and takes him in the top 10. So we're gonna have a little fun on this podcast because yeah. I, I had I thought it I might had, make it a little contentious. <laughs> I told you that I had I had Gross Matos as as my number one, okay. and, and again, this is just out of these three players. Yes. Uh, so I had Gross Matos as my number one. I had Chasen as my number two, and then I had Epinesa at three. And frankly, for Epinesa, it was it was a little bit of a distant three. He was he was trailing behind mm-hmm. uh, those two players. For me, Epinesa. I mean, we can we can just start probably get into the meat of this, yeah. which is going to be this this Epinesa conversation. So, he's a guy who's you know you just look at the measurables: six six, two seventy, two eighty, yeah. depending on where he's at in his playing weight. And off the top, I didn't really see that strength necessarily come through consistently uh, on film. So I watched the Michigan game, I watched the Nebraska game, and I watched the. Uh, Minnesota game, and he the Nebraska game was was a pretty good game. He was consistently making plays throughout. But from I don't know if you watched the Michigan game, but he pretty much disappeared mm-hmm. the the whole time. And the thing with Epinesa is that he doesn't really have that athleticism um, to really bend the edge or kind of make like finesse moves. But then it's like if I don't see that strength popping up. Frequently, then that would make me that makes me somewhat hesitant to to bill him as one of the top edge rushers in the in the class. Something I noticed with him a lot is he seems to end up way upfield on a lot of his rushes. I mean, there's multiple incidences where he's way up, where the you know quarterback kind of climbs the pocket and he's way behind. I, I marked down a time in the Michigan film where he's literally 11 yards away from the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and so 
his inability to kind of bend the edge, tackles, kind of just use it and just push him out. Um, I thought John Runyon played against him most of this game, and John Runyon never really, like, you know, put him on his on his butt, but he definitely got the better of him for for the for a majority of the game. So my, my comp for AJ Epinesa is actually going to be Devin Taylor from from Detroit. Wow, um, he was a guy to me who was just, Jeez, just stiff. Yeah, I I think I, well, yeah, so, go but, ahead. but but Finish. I mean Devin Taylor, he had some success in the league when Ziggy Ansah was at doing his best, you know, work in the NFL. So I think that Epinesa can be a guy who. If you bring him into a system where there's already a number one rusher and he's kind of this strength complement that he can have some success in the NFL, but I I don't really ever see him being a number one you know rusher on any team. I feel like he gets billed as like this Cam Hayward sort of player, and I don't I don't really see that with him. And I mean I'll, I'll I can let you you go. I've kind of had my my say, but I I would be even hesitant. At, to spend a third round pick on him. Wow. Unless I had I had a, like a really good plan for what I wanted him to do. Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. I think that his presence on the inside as well as the edge, his experience in the Big Ten playing competitive football, the production's there. Um, he's slow and sluggish at times. His, his motor is definitely questionable. But I think that he's kind of just a lunch pail player who's just really physical and he wins with strength a lot. I think that, I mean, maybe watch some of his sophomore tape. I watch a little bit of his sophomore tape, not too much. And then the same games as you, and I watched Wisconsin and USC as well. And he really popped off in the USC game. But I just think you can't put up that production uh, in the Big Ten for that long and, uh, and not have, you know, not be able to turn it into something in the NFL. I think there's definitely first-round value there. Especially considering the fact for the for a team like the Lions, where you can try him out on the edge and play him on the inside too. I thought he was more effective on the inside than he was on the edge. Actually, watching the film, I, I agree. I agree. He, I, I I liked that a lot about him. I thought his his interior presence was was yep. really good. So I mean, whether or not that's something that there's something I I mean, it's it's almost but it's like for me too. You get into kind of a Rashawn Gary situation there, where it's like, am I really going to draft a guy this high? But his production, I don't really know what his, his position production is. is at a much different level than Rashawn. No, Gary. that's true. And and he had he had two uh, ten sack seasons in a row, my, 2018 and last year, eleven and a half. My biggest so knock I, on I, him. I know that it's there. My yeah. biggest knock on him is that he does not have that dog edge. He doesn't have that chip. I feel that's, like that's where I agree. Where you can say about Chasson and, and Gross Monos a little bit more, where yep. they have that chip, and and where their wires cross a bit more. Epineza, you're you're waiting to see that. That's where Cam Hayward has that edge. Epineza yeah, doesn't really exactly. have that edge. But I still think, man, there's something to be said about how smooth his hands are inside, and how like he's got a knack for the ball. Sometimes he can get lost and scrambled on the outside and pushed up field. I get that. But I still think he very, very rarely gets bullied or, or put on his on his on his ass. Never, you know, never, never. never. He, he's just and, and that's something that I saw a lot sometimes with Chase on. He he gets pushed exactly. around a Chase little bit. Did, but and, and like you said about Epineza disappearing, all of these guys disappeared. Like watching this tape, yep. further uh, confirmed Chase Young's stance as the number one edge because it's just like these guys all fade out of the game at points. But I just think Epineza. I love his physicality, man. I, I, I want him to go to like a Pittsburgh or I think Detroit would be a good fit. I think Patricia could do a good amount with him in this scheme. He kind of reminds me of Flowers a little bit. 
I can see that. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, obviously that's what Patricia's scheme is, mm -hmm. and I, I don't love it, but it just seems like it's another slow plotting big guy, you yeah. know, to add to the already kind of slow front seven that they have. Um, so I, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I just wasn't really in love with him, and I mean, even too, you look out if you go on to I don't know, have you ever used Mock Draftable? No, I haven't. It's it's it shows you um, kind of like the their combine statistics, and it yeah. gives them like a web map, and it shows you where they're you know what percentile they're in, and uh, Epinesa is in the fifth percentile in terms of bench press. Yeah. So it's like yeah, that's definitely there's, there's and, and and you know my boy uh, Devin Taylor was in like tenth percentile. So Ooh. I don't. I just think there's totally. you know not to whatever. no no no. I, I get what you mean. Press, but I get what you mean. There's I, I just think that you're hanging your hat a little too hard on the maybe the combine and the fact uh, that he fades yeah. out of games. I just think. But in, in the his feet seem slow. His feet seem slow. Like when he's, he's when he's I wrote rushing. it down and, in my notes. And, and, and my my other my other my other big complaint with him is that his like. He he tries to do like a rush move and it stalls and it takes him a, a half second and a second to go to a different move. Mm -hmm. Like nothing ever seems really that fluid. Like he gets his hands on somebody and then he rips or and then he, it, it never really yeah. seems like to be in one fluid motion. I don't know. I think he's not very multidimensional, but yeah, he disrupts the pocket. He disrupts the pocket as a freshman. He disrupts the pocket as a sophomore. He disrupts the pocket as a junior. And I think he's going to continue to disrupt the pocket. He has an NFL. He undeniably has an NFL frame. So I'm saying the production's there. He has an NFL frame. He's sluggish. He's slow. You can't. He doesn't have an edge. So that's why. If he had an edge and was a little bit quicker, he's Chase Young. That's what I think. I personally think that he is of that caliber. So take the edge away. Take quickness away. I think his hands on the inside. He's extremely smooth. I don't know. I'd be I'd be very shocked if the Lions' second round pick, which is the third pick, three picks out of the first round, if he's still there. I will be very shocked. Really? I will. I will be very shocked if he's still there. I think someone will definitely take him. I'll take a prophecy on that. Let's go. Let's prophesy. I'll, I'll take a bet. Right. I'll take a bet. I like it. He he will be on the board when the Detroit Lions pick in the second round. Yep. And I would hope that I mean, they I, wouldn't. I hope him. I'm wrong, and I hope they take him. Oh. But uh, I hope not. I'll be disappointed if the Lions take him at any point. Well, in the in, in their first eighty-five picks, in the, in the five picks in the top eighty-five. Let's go over to to Gross Matos, who's he's my number one player mm -hmm. uh, in terms of these three guys, and more than likely would, would probably end up being my number two uh, edge rusher in general. I really just love what he brings to the table. I think he he's of about the same size as Epinesa, a little bit smaller, six-five, around two sixty. So you're given an inch and you're given about 15, 20 pounds. But I think everything that Epinesa lacks in in terms of speed, polished pass rush moves, and like a multitude of them, uh, he is head and shoulders above Epinesa in, in at least those two categories. And he definitely has a lot more of a uh, – I think he has a, a better motor. I didn't – you know, I don't – I'm not trying to say that as I saw Epinesa slacking off as, mm -hmm. as you know, you come sometimes see with edge rushers. But – I just thought Gross Matos, you know, is running down the field for for runs. He's, he's chasing down quarterbacks on the opposite side of the field, um, and I, he also brings a, a lot of the st uh, positive stuff that Epinesa does in terms of switching inside every once in a while. So yes. it's not like he's he's a pure edge rusher in in that sense. And the the I mean, he has an awesome awesome inside move uh, in terms of when he's rushing off the edge. 
he does a great job of setting up a tackle with speed to the outside and then flashing inside. And he makes a lot of plays that way. Uh, the only, the one concern I do have is that seems to be his, his main move and in, in a move that you can somewhat game plan against if, if you're a tackle. I, I don't see him consistently win around the edge. So in terms of quarterbacks being able to spin out of the pocket and, and losing contain, uh, I, do, I do have some concerns about that. But overall, man, I think this guy is, is a top 20 pick. Like, mm-hmm. just, uh, I, I think I would, I would be much more comfortable taking him uh, than Chasson. And I see Chasson going ahead of him in, in a lot of mocks. But I, I, would, I would be very comfortable taking Gross Matos anywhere from 8 to 15. I, yeah. I really, really would. I absolutely agree. Um, if you look at the frame, and uh, I, I think he's a little bit raw. Like, he's not, sometimes he leads with his shoulder. I see him leading with his shoulder a lot and gets, like, sucked in on certain plays. But, like I said about Epineza, he's the opposite. He's extremely multidimensional. He also can play on the inside. He also can play on the outside. He's, like, uh, extremely versatile. His length is crazy. He's kind of just a freak. He's, like, a little bit, you know... He's a little bit of a freak, and, and if he can grow into his body a little bit more and improve on his fundamentals, I think he'd be absolutely worth a top 10 pick. And I think that if you were to see, like I said earlier, a Cleveland Farrell type situation where, I don't know, a team trades up or maybe the Dolphins or someone take him early in the draft, top 10 or top 15, I really wouldn't be that shocked. Um, the one thing I would, my, my, uh, my tick on him was that he has a tendency to swing tackle and not drive. He like mm-hmm. he grabs and he kind of swings. I noticed that a few times. And uh, that's usually like I feel like a tendency for like raw players who are still kind of learning their game a little bit. I think he's definitely in that category. But I think he has the highest potential out of these three players to be, yeah, I do to too. be a I, I, he, player. He, he gives me some like – I don't know. I, Maybe like Alden Smith, like I was I yeah. t- type of. I was gonna I don't know. say he he remind he was he reminded me of uh, Buckner a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Buckner. I mean, he was a little more of an interior player yes, primarily, yes. but a thinner Buckner. Yeah. Would be mm-hmm. kind of like when he was coming out of Oregon, and Buckner was bigger than he is, but just kind of how yeah. raw he is, and where you can see the potential for dominance, um, and for definitely him being. I'm surprised seeing him, like you said, sliding down in these mock drafts. Another guy who, yeah, I, especially in a in a class that like there isn't really a ton. I don't other than like Chase Young in terms of like yeah. After these like, three guys, Young and then maybe Zach Ball. It's like it, yeah, and then it's like Josh Uche, but he's also like six one, mm-hmm. so he's not exactly like gonna fit into everybody's system. You're getting into kind and of so, uncharted territory. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, so, uh, one thing I also noticed that I forgot to say, a knock on Epineza and a plus for Gross Matos, um, their ability to read and uh, negatively influence a mesh play on the offense. Epineza just gets lost yeah. on mesh plays. Yeah, well, and I've spent a lot of time Epineza just charges. Yeah, I saw exactly. a lot of time. Yeah. He just he just makes it like a, just beelines for the quarterback like and Tora. doesn't really exactly. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and well and I don't I mean Epinesa though I don't think he has like the lateral quickness no. to be able to like enforce like you know a pitch and then fly out and get the pitch. He's an inside know, player. player like, I think his future yeah. in the NFL is inside. I think putting on even more weight maybe 
you know, just getting a bit stronger. And I think he, could, I, I think he'd be really dominant. But that's gross modus. His length allows him to just be able to kind of yeah. read meshes so easily yeah. and kind of be in two places at once with how friggin' long he is. Um, so he's super projectable. Well, so let's. I mean, let's talk about Chaston because yeah. he is like he is kind of the. I, I find him to be the project of of the three players. I think I have a pretty good feel as to what um, you know Epines will be in the NFL. I think I have a pretty good feel as to Gross Matos. Um, obviously, I guess our opinions on what Epines will be will be different. Yeah. But Chaston, to me, I get like somewhat like Charles Harris vibes from him. Maybe like yes, a, I, like a guy, that. I, I like that. You a know. Lot. Like, but but at the same time though, like I think he's gonna be good. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying that he's gonna have like the Charles Harris NFL career, but it's a guy where he's really only had one season of production. Yeah, it was on LSU when they're having the you know the season of a lifetime. You know, on a, on a pretty good defense overall. Um, I mean, certain th- he's he's the one guy of the three that really can consistently bend the edge. Mm-hmm. And, and get get a great jump off the line. He's clearly the fastest. He's clearly the most athletic. Yes. But he's also he's also the smallest. He's he's six. He's like six three, two fifty or so. And I, I mean, I don't really see him putting on any more weight. And he, you know, it's not like a Brian Burns situation. But um, you also never see him line up inside. Uh, no. Obviously, I mean, and it, you wouldn't want to. He's strictly he, he a, does, a three four edge rusher. Yep. He will not. And, he can't really do anything else. And so, I mean, I, I and I do, and I did see in the Texas game he had one really good rep where he just stuck the his his arm into the the left tackle's chest and drove him right back into the quarterback's lap. And so yeah. he does. He's not you know purely a finesse speed rusher. He does have some power to his game, but a little less than Gross Matos or Epinesa does. Mm-hmm. Um, I just put him second because I I think he has a lot more. I think I I. Epinesa's floor is somewhat already set for him in a way, just being at the, at the size that he is and having the success that he did have in the Big Ten, whereas Chasson could end up being, you know, I don't know who you compare him to. I was thinking Vic Beasley a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I Charles Harris a little bit. I don't know. And I'm not going to obviously – obviously, the, you know, the number one people will say is like, oh, Von Miller, he can bend the edge, yeah. but he doesn't really have – the Von Miller is a generational player. I feel like it's so, almost every year that an extremely – like a freak kind of athlete who looks like he could play almost any position on the field, who's an edge rusher, climbs yeah. up draft boards late. A month a month before the draft starts climbing up and hopping in front of Gross Matos, Epineza, Bond, whatever, and now he's all of a sudden you're seeing him go top 10 or top 15. Um, and it's – kind of the Alabama scenario where he's on this LSU defense with a bunch of dogs. So you can't even really tell sometimes who's influencing what and and how and who should be getting the credit necessarily. Um, but I will say that he definitely has the best bend. I still I think he can survive in the modern NFL with his build um, mm-hmm. because of how good he is. He wins. He can only win with speed. He really can only win juking and, and spinning. He's got a spin move that can be pretty lethal um, if – if he's not against an elite tackle, I saw him do it against a bunch of tackles in the SEC, mostly on the right side. Um, Driscoll of Auburn and the guy on the 79 for Georgia on the right side, he spun on them a couple times and it worked like a charm for him, but he doesn't really win with power. Um, he's got pretty good technique and he's definitely, I think he has easily has the best effort out of these three guys. I loved watching his effort. He gets into, 
He gets oh his yeah, nose he's all over the place on the other side yep. of the field, which I love to watch. Um, but he's got the injury history, and he's and he's kind of a little bit of a tweener where you don't know. I got to give credit to Tommy for giving me the saying he's strictly a three-four edge because I was kind of arguing against it, and I was saying, well, maybe he could put on like you know, 15 pounds and play outside backer or something like that because he's pretty solid in coverage. But I don't know how realistic that is. And also in coverage, he seems to kind of rely on his athleticism a lot. That's That was one of my knocks on him is that he's not really sound in coverage and he kind of doesn't really – he doesn't really have his head on a swivel very often. And he relies on his athleticism to, to bail him out. Um, and my biggest knock on him that one of the reasons why I actually don't think I would draft him in the first round is because – he doesn't have. I, I don't really like his like balance. He seems to always be kind of like off. He falls over off balance yeah, and falling yep. over and yep. having a lane to the quarterback, almost Gerard Davis esque, where he's like yep. missing out on the quarterback and his head is like you know spinning all over the place um, on the rush. He, like maybe his eyes get bigger than his uh, his 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 arms or whatever. I don't know. Well, and I, I watched <laughs> I watched the LSU game too, and I'm sorry the uh, the Florida game when LSU played Florida mm-hmm. this year. And I just felt that he was at his best at the end of the game when Florida was down 7, down 14, purely throwing, Mm -hmm. and he was just pinning his ears back and going. I mean, he had this this rep where he was – he made, you know, the sack and was literally – you know, around the the tackle's left shoulder by the time that he was on his second bail step. I mean, he was just right off the line, flew around the edge, you you know, it crushed – was it Franks or – um, not Frank's. Um, Trask. Number 11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he, I, I feel like he's just at his best when it's like pure passing situation. Absolutely. And then everything else was kind of like he gets lost a little bit, you know, doesn't really uh, – and, and when you're in a situation like that where your best move is just your get off and your go around, that can be bad for in a run scenario because then they're just going to run right underneath you, mm-hmm. right? So in terms of developing those other facets of his game, it's definitely going to be something at the next level that the team that drafts him is going to have to. Dude, I could just like see him like going to like the Falcons at sixteen and then just failing. Kind I don't of know, just just not like yeah, yeah. That's why I was just about to say I'd like to see him, and I think he should be going later in the first round because he can be worth the first round pick mm-hmm. solely winning in the pass rush game in the NFL. Yep. But it has to be in the right scenario. It has to be in a rotation of guys where he can do that and he can polish those skills and he doesn't get kind of lost in the in the hodgepodge. Like, wouldn't you like to see him go to a team like Minnesota? Yes. Who, you know, loses Everson Griffin. Exactly. You have Daniel yeah, Hunter, but you don't really have anyone else around him. And he gets it with a good coach and Mike Zimmer. I think that's Playing on that turf indoors. Yeah, like, I would, I, would, I would like, that's kind of like a fit that I would like him to see. But I really do think, though, he'll go probably top 20. Yeah. No, I, I think – I really don't know how to pre- uh, predict the cycle of edges after Chase Young in this draft. Like, what if he just goes to the Jets, dude? Like, that would be – At 11. That would be a really bad pick, I think. And yeah, I don't, I don't dislike Chasson at all. I, have a, I, I know. Have a well, this is like one of those time. things that I feel like we, we have to talk about every single year where we can like a lot of the guys in the draft and then when we don't end up liking their fit. Mm-hmm. Right or they need development, and it's just like they weren't really set up from success in the beginning. There's only so many players really in any draft season where no matter what team they go to, they're going to have success. Right, a lot depends. I mean, there's so many factors that goes into what what is going to make a good NFL player. And with Chaston, I really hope that he ends up with a team that kind of knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So no, absolutely, I think that's a, you know that's the case with a lot of guys. You're seeing. 
a lot of these teams don't really know how to develop players, and, and maybe they succeed later in their career in the right situation. But I think uh, it's really going to be a testament to these teams' scouting departments this year in the draft, you know, because it's tough to discern – you know, how well, to, too, and a guy like Chas, and he didn't participate in um, the combine other than just measurements. Yeah. And now all these pro days and stuff canceled. With the, it's just going to be interesting to see what's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with with some of these these processes, so that was that was good. I, I'd like to do. You know, we can maybe post post pod discuss our next our next three players. Yeah, but, that'd be fun. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't know. I would. I again, I'm just going to go gross mottos, Chasson, and then at Vanessa third, but. Um, I don't know. Epinesa, yeah, doesn't. Hey, I, I, I. I, I uh, we we I can accept... send some links back and forth. I got some timestamps from Michigan. I'd like, okay. like you to, like, to look over. You know, but yeah. You know, you can find bad tape on a lot of a lot of these guys. Yeah. Oh, and, that's absolutely, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Epinesa is going to have a, a good NFL career. I think he's definitely worth the first round pick. So let's uh, let's jump over uh, quickly to the the Eagles. We just wanted to have a little quick little Eagles chat. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were talking before the podcast, Eagles end up kind of in a weird spot in this in this year's draft. It was just something I was kind of came to my mind as I was just going over the order uh, of of the 2020 draft. And Eagles are sitting there at 21, and uh, they have a glaring, glaring need at wide receiver. It was a huge issue last season. Uh, they lost to Sean Jackson early on in the year. He's going to come back, but at the same time, he's 33, has always seemed to have an injury history. Alshon Jeffrey wouldn't be completely shocked if he's not an Eagle uh, coming into the season. Uh, there's been rumblings just about him not being totally happy there. He also has a pretty big contract. So that he, he you know he's obviously their best player in the receiver room and isn't exactly – happy or might not even be there. And then you have a guy like Arcega Whiteside who was their second round pick from last year and really just struggled last year. Never really was able to get it going. It was kind of a disappointment for them. Who knows if that changes going into next year, but at the very least, not something you can bet on for sure being there for you. But then you also look at the defensive side of the ball. And I think with the departure of Malcolm Jenkins, with their holes at linebacker, they could easily add a linebacker, easily add a uh, secondary player. Um, but, and I know there's multiple rounds of the draft, but in terms of at 21, Lee, when you're looking at that receiver versus maybe a, a guy in, in the secondary that you can take, or at least in the back seven, uh, what would you do if you're Howie Roseman in, in the Eagles? Uh, I mean... I think that just based on the way this draft lines up, um, you're not going to have Rugg, Slam, or Judy available at 21. Um, and Justin Jefferson very well could be worth the pick if that's the direction you want to go in. Uh, but like you mentioned earlier, I think there are too many issues to address on the defensive side of the ball, and I think there's de- enough depth in this draft where they can confidently take Maybe uh, Xavier McKinney, if he's on the board out of Alabama. Or uh, possibly, we were talking earlier, Patrick Queen, linebacker out of LSU. Their starting middle linebacker is TJ Edwards right now, who uh, I want to say last year got drafted by the Eagles, maybe in the fifth round or so out of Wisconsin. I'm not positive about that, but Duke Rowley, Nate Jerry, and, and TJ Edwards, I mean, it's a... It's a gritty linebacking core there, but I think they he, need to they need to polish that up with a little bit of skill. <clears throat> I don't even know if he got drafted, Lee. I think he, yeah, he might have been undrafted. 
And you think good, he's yeah, he was an undrafted signing. Good for him, but I don't know if he's ready to step in and hey, he could be the next Chris Borland, but I don't know if he's ready to step in and start right now for the Eagles um at middle linebacker, especially considering, like I said, Nate Ger- Nate Jerry is already their outside backer who is pretty limited in terms of and I'm the biggest Nate Jerry fan almost on the planet, probably outside of South Dakota. But He's, they did get Duke Riley over from from Atlanta in a, in a trade. And I, again, I, Duke Riley is a guy where you can go back to the draft podcast. I love Duke Riley, but he was not great in Atlanta and and is not ha- still kind of a rotational guy that you can't really lean on. Not a lot of talent in that linebacker linebacker. No, player, I don't think. So if you can bring, and I think you have, and again you have you have issues. They have like kind of a weird thing too, where their corners that they have drafted. In terms of Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas, neither of them have really stepped up and no. taken that second corner position. And I mean, they signed. I really like the signing of Mikel Roby Coleman. He is definitely more of a nickel type of player. But in terms of that second outside corner spot, even if you trade for Darius Slay, I still think you could take a, a corner in the first three rounds. And then safety is yeah. is a huge hole now with Malcolm Jenkins, who's kind of the heart and soul of that defense. Yeah, uh, is now gone. I You're trying to convert Jalen Mills to safety. You have Rodney McLeod at, at free safety. Safety is way more it, of a pressing matter, I think, after the yeah. move, just because you have Maddox and then you have Jones and Douglas. So let Douglas and Jones duel it out. And then you have Maddox and uh, Roby Coleman to kind of be the smaller nickel guys. And then you have Slay to be your number one. Um, but safety, I mean, you, you they're probably going to be targeting guys like Antoine Winfield out of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a downhill safety. Um, or, you know, like I said, Xavier McKinney, maybe Grant Delpit. I don't know. But there's enough depth for them. I don't know where their pick is in the second round. But well, probably like at whatever the 21st yeah, pick in the second round. Mid to end. But uh, yeah, th- there should be some, some talent there. I'm in, I personally love LaVisca Chenault, and I think he'd be a great underneath player for them. I think he's extremely sure-handed. The only concern with him is the, is the health. Um, but if he's healthy, I don't think you really can rely on. I mean, you got Alshon Jeffrey, who we both are think probably doesn't even want to be there. He's made somewhat clear and may not be there by the time the season starts. Deshaun Jackson, who is say what you want. I mean, he's still fast, but he's pretty washed out. Didn't play. He played one game last year, and then Greg Ward, who played quarterback in college, had popped off a little bit towards the end of the year, but is nothing more than a three or four. And then you have Ortega Whiteside who struggled last year mightily, I would say. So if <clears throat> you know you get to pick 21, Lee, and let's get into, I guess, a little like receiver discussion. If you get to pick 21 and you're looking at Ruggs, Judy, and, and Lamb are already off the board, Yeah. in your opinion, are you just not going receiver at that point? I think that if I'm in this position, I need to grind the tape on, on some receivers because uh-huh. – I may be walking back what I just said 10 minutes ago about the holes on defense because there are a few holes, but I think that this receiver room is a little bit more of a concern, and, and a lot of that is based on the fact that I don't love our Sega Whiteside long-term. I don't know, you know, Tommy likes him a lot. Well, and he gave you no reason to yeah. trust him, though, last year. And like, then Alshon yeah. is as good as gone, and Deshaun is, you know, you don't know how much juice is left there to squeeze out. So, you know, if you're grinding the tape and you see if you like Justin Jefferson, that might be the spot to take him. But you have to keep in mind, you know, so much about this is going to be where the board lands. And, hey, 
are you just going to kamikaze? It's possible that they can kamikaze it and recover a little bit because they do have a good, you know, they have a good culture in Philly. They have a good roster. They traded for Darius Slay. And if they want to say, you know what, screw it, we're going to trade 21 and our second to move up to nine with Jacksonville. And, and we're going to take, yeah. and we're going to take Judy or Ruggs or Lamb. And that's what we're gonna, and now we're going to bring Judy in with Wentz and we're going to let, we're going to assess linebacker, you know, in the fourth round or whatever. They have nothing after that, though. That's why I say yeah. Kamikaze, because they already traded their picks. So it is. It will well, be I mean, that front office is never afraid to... Uh, Why not sign Robbie Anderson? Yeah, I don't, that was a weird... I mean, that was... Not I mean, even would he go I for like, two for 20 in, yeah. in Carolina? Not even that I, I mean, love Robbie I mean, maybe he wanted Anderson. to play for Rule because of the Temple thing, but... But Robbie, Robbie Anderson is... Yeah. Yeah, he went to Temple, didn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a Philly dude, right? Yep. He'd be better than any receiver on your roster right now, and I don't even yep. I don't even like him that much. I think he's pretty good. I think he's a solid two, probably. And he'd be yeah. he'd be better than any receiver on your roster. So that's something that they definitely need to. That division is. I might be picking the Giants to win that division this year. No, no, I might be, no, no. <laughs> based on how oh the draft God. goes. Based on how the. Oh my God! No. You're drinking too much of that Blake Martinez signing in free agency. That's literally right. the only reason you're saying that. Right. I need to calm down. Yeah. Oh my God. It's yeah, and and whatever. Joe Judge's press conference. Yeah, I love that combined person. with combined with Blake Martinez signing has Lee back in the Giants in the Giants den. Come on, you took a you took a lick last year after they drafted Daniel Jones, and now you're gonna pick him to win no, the NFC right. East. You're right. I mean, it says more about Come how on. I feel about this division, though. I mean, uh, but still, Philly, I, Philly, even a battered Philly team, like, you know, I still think can compete in this division. They do need to address receiver, though. I don't know. Yeah, dude. I think, dude. I mean, you're saying trade your your first and your second to go up and get to I think if you're going to trade in the top 10 from 21 you're going to have to give up next year's first too. Oof, I don't know man. I, think, I mean I, know, I guess you look at what Denver did last year with with Pittsburgh. I don't think the Jags I, are in a position to turn that down necessarily unless they're taking yeah. fucking Herbert at 9. Sorry, I'm dropping that phone. But because they're or love. <laughs> exactly. Well, the Jags are somewhat tanking. There's somewhat there's a, there's, yeah. a, there's a tinge of tank there. I think. Yep. And if if the Eagles are going to offer you, you already have pick twenty from the Rams, so you have nine. And if the Eagles are going to offer you twenty one, and then they're second for nine, then you got twenty twenty one. You know the ninth pick in the second round, and then the Eagles pick. I think that's that's four picks in the first two rounds. You know. Back to back at twenty twenty one is not a bad spot to be in in this year's draft. I would say either. No, it's not a terrible no. spot to be in. It's not as secure as the early rounds are with when it comes to like tackle or receiver or whatever. But there's still a lot of there's a lot of value there. So, yeah, I think ultimately it'll end up coming down to how much of a difference you put between you know a guy like Chenault and Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. who will be there at twenty one more than likely but probably won't be there when you come around in the second round to yep. a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones or T. Higgins or a Michael Pittman who probably will be there when you pick again in the second round, but you know, do you have another Arcega-Whiteside situation on your hands yeah. again going into next year if you do that? So No, you got to be sure you don't. I, I think this draft has a serious potential to get weird. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. It definitely has some potential to get weird. And, you know, I was actually just, maybe just to wrap this uh, podcast up here, I'm kind of liking the idea of just an in-studio draft. No, no prospect interviews as they walk across the stage. Yeah. Like, let's just put the card in and, and, let, and let the analysts exactly. just, just grind some tape. Exactly. Like, it I seems like that. every year, too, like the Lions go up and pick and, like, some big player gets drafted before them and they just spend the entire time yeah. of the Lions, like, card, like, interviewing the player who just went to the Falcons at, like, 18. Like, I don't know. I, you're going to miss out on, like, the Tack McKinley type uh, situations where these guys are super excited. And obviously, like, going to the draft and getting picked is just, like, must be an incredible thing. And it sucks for these guys that they're not going to have that experience with their family and, and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, man, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to just a nice little Rich Eisen, you know, studio yeah. draft situation. Take this opportunity to uh... – to, you know, take advantage of this opportunity. Put put some cameras in the war rooms, you know? Give us a yep. little inside scoop. Show us something. Yep. Maybe not yep. too much, but I think this is an interesting opportunity for them. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to, I mean, I don't think it's going to get postponed. They just announced it's not going to get postponed. You know, I think that, I'm not really worried about it just because it'd be very easy to have virtually. You don't really need anyone to be in any specific place necessarily to have it, so... As long as uh, the brass is all in one spot, you know, Allen Park for our for our Detroit Lions, then uh, then you can you can definitely do the draft. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Hopefully, we can still get to KZU, man. Hopefully, this all this Hopefully. stuff is, uh, is is blown over by them. All right. Um, any 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 last last remarks? Final stand. Well, I do. If there's, if you want to talk about it at all, the fact that I don't think there's any reason for the Dolphins or the Chargers necessarily to trade up. So I think the Lions aren't going to be fielding any trade offers at three, because if you're the Dolphins or the Chargers, well, if you're the Dolphins and you want to, uh, then the 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 Lions aren't going to take him and the Giants aren't going to take him. So the only way is if the Chargers specifically want to and are willing to give up assets for them. I think that's the only way that the Lions are going to receive, uh, you know, be able to move down and receive more assets. And I also think there's something to be said about the the Redskins getting rid of Dunbar. Did you read that article I sent to you from from the Draft Network? I thought it was really interesting. Oh, the co- corner. Yeah, they got yeah. they got rid of Dunbar. They just have no. Like Fabian Moreau is like their number one corner right now, basically. Yeah, that that Okuda could be a bigger need. Yes, fit, and they could be the candidate for someone to trade up. That could yeah. be where Miami moves up or whoever, you know. But I'm I'm so this year it's like no one really knows who likes what quarterbacks, kind of. Yeah, and it would be, behind Burrow, it would be pretty clear that it was yeah. two of it. The whole medical situation, so now it's just like. Who the heck knows, man? It'd definitely be very surprising if Jordan Love were to be taken, you know, in the top ten. But I also can say, you know, really, would it be if they just... Yeah. If it, someone thinks someone out there thinks that he can really be that high of a caliber player. So, lot to unpack. Really excited. Yeah, that is interesting. Because what, it's going to be Jimmy Moreland... My my guy from uh, dude, it's what school is? Frick, I can't believe I'm forgetting what school. James Madison. 
Yeah, right? I think Jimmy so. Moreland. Yep. Seventh round pick. One of my one of my draft guys. I liked him a lot. But they he's, did he's, sign you know, kind of like Fuller. a nickel guy. They signed. Yeah, Kendall they Fuller. they brought him back. But they brought him back. He's a nickel guy, is he not? Yep. Mm-hmm. He's somewhat of an interior he's player. Kind of a, he's more. Yeah, he's a slot guy. So then you have Fabian Moreau as your number one kind of like yeah. matchup. And I mean, yeah, but then it's at the same time. Do you like hope that a guy like Dantzler from you know Mississippi State right just falls to you in the second round and? You're you're there the second, or do they not have that? They don't pick? have. It's, that's the they thing. don't have that that's pick where the because article it's, got deeper. Because it's indie, have, right? They don't have the picks. Yeah. So if you, but I'm just if you move down from two, and you get Miami, you get five and twenty six. Yeah. Literally five and twenty six, and then you can get Okuda at five. Okuda at five, because then Young would go to the Young Lions. Young goes to the Lions. The Giants. Giants will still take a yeah. Simmons or or the tackle most likely. Yep. And then, and then you, you get, get Okuda. Okuda. And then you have 26. And then that pick later, yeah. And you can get you can get an edge rusher at 26. You can get a guy like, I don't know, whoever you – possibly a bond. Get a receiver. Or, or a receiver if you want one, yeah. Or a lineman possibly. There's a lot of yep. – and I think that might be just based on – So, and here's – I guess I'll propose this to you. Would you do that if you're the Redskins? Miami says we'll give you 5 and 26 for number two. Do you do it? No. I wouldn't do it. Okay. I wouldn't do it, but I'd play ball. I'd play ball. Mm-hmm. I'd make a counter. What? Wait, so what's what's Miami's other pick? Is it nineteen? It's they have five, eighteen, twenty-six, and then they. What have, if they said five and eighteen? I'd rather have. Or would you rather have Chase Young? I'd rather have five twenty-six in a second. Okay. I would, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins be, have like 14 picks, so. Yeah, if they offered me that, I would take it. Same with, you know, I don't want to get off too off base, but like, if you're the Bengals and the Dolphins are offering you 5, 18, 26, and they're two seconds. To come up to one? For the first, for the number one pick, like. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I mean. Not a chance I do that, but. Unless Burrow explicitly told me he doesn't want to come to Cincinnati. I would never do it because Burrow is going to get asses in the seats. Yeah. And and, and he's also (laughs) a pretty undeniable prospect. And then, then, God forbid, like someone trades in front of you to five. Yeah. And then you end up with like Herbert. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's true. But, I mean, they have a lot of holes that they could address with those picks. And especially if Miami threw in a couple future picks too. I mean, it's enticing. It's an enticing idea. But I think the whole two-at-two situation is more likely that the Dolphins draft him or the Chargers yeah, draft him. Yeah, than, than, than the Redskins? Yep. I think the Redskins, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But I think them signing Kyle Allen, they already have Alex Smith. I don't know what the future is for Alex Smith, but still. just yeah. They have him on the roster. They have Kyle Allen, and then they have Haskins. Like, I don't think Ron – I think he appreciates – defense enough to understand that Okuda and Young, Young specifically, is kind of the pick. That's like the guy you got to go with. Yep. They do have a really good rotation of... Rushers, though. Front, yeah, front seven kind of guys. Yep. So... I I feel like, I guess, like, the draft is probably going to go either, like, very... Quietly, or it's gonna. I don't know if there's much in between. I don't know. I don't know either. Like, I think there's gonna be either like 
And it's all going to depend on the quarterbacks, man. Like, if the quarterbacks go, like, one, five, and six, and no one really trades, kind of like last year, yeah, then I think the draft will kind of go as it goes outside of somebody maybe trading up to get a guy like Ruggs or Lamb or Judy. But Yeah. It's a weird year, man. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a lot a, of fun. It's uh, a weird year, all things considered. You know, like, this is, no one's done the draft this way before either. Nope. So how is that going to affect the way quarterbacks are scouted? You know, if you can't get as much face time or, you know, yep. I, who knows? It's, I think it's going to, I think we're in for a weird kind of draft. And I think the shape of the NFL and the way teams are discerning value, it's obviously always changing, but I think now is kind of a pinnacle after we got Brady leaving, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl, the whole thing that's happening in Baltimore with Lamar. I just think that a lot of stuff is kind of, we're in an exciting time, and there's a lot of risks to be taken, you know. So, yeah, hey, if the if the coronavirus happened in 2017, might have might have saved Ryan Pace a lot of trouble. <laughs> wouldn't have wouldn't have flown down to North Carolina and fallen in love with Mitch Trubisky because he made a dinner reservation under the name of Jim McMahon. Oh man! <laughs> Last thing before we sign off, not where you want. Where do you think Cam Newton's gonna land, and will he be starting? Next season, uh, I think he's starting next year. Yes. Um. Man, though, dude, that's tough. It's hard to say, dude. Like, I don't know why. Like, like, why aren't you just picking him up if you're like Tennessee? I mean, I guess because you just signed. Yeah, I like, don't know Tannehill, but it's just like. Not a good look, I don't think. Why are you not picking him up if you're the Chargers? Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, that's probably, I think that's the most likely scenario. I think he more than likely goes to the Chargers in L.A. I mean, that's a dude that, like, it, I think, you know, signing Cam Newton allows you to take, like, a lineman at six yep. and build on that roster while also, like, drumming up excitement for the season in, or in your new Isaiah stadium. Simmons and throw him back there with Derwin. Yep. <laughs> and have Cam Newton a, dude, on offense. Like, that's... Oh, my... Like, with... Know. Dude, can you imagine him and Adderley? Yeah. And the other guys? I mean, jeez. They, they made that trade with Carolina, too. Try Turner, right? Try Turner. Yep. So they, yep. they brought a little bit of help on the line. I... I think the Chargers, man. Yeah, I don't know. Get, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't know why they already. They should sign. Him. I like they Tyrod a lot too, but it's just Cam is just literally a clear upgrade from Tyrod. Yeah. you just look at. If, you know, I mean, if he's healthy. If he's healthy. Yeah, 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 but for sure, he just comes in and he, he would be the best, uh, be the best quarterback the minute he stepped foot in the facility. So, I think that's a no-brainer. But I mean, but, you look at you look at Jacksonville. I mean, I know they're in like mm-hmm. cap hell, but yeah. I, don't, I mean. I just think that Coughlin would never make Vegas. that move. Coughlin's out of there, right? Is he? Yeah, he's out of there. Yeah, good. Vegas, Denver. Denver would be interesting. I think Denver's kind of putting all their chips in with Locke, though. New England? Just goes I think to... New England's rolling with Stidham, man. Dude, I know they are. And I kind of like it. <laughs> oh, God. I kind of like it, man. Oh, God.